It's the Progress Pod, a production of the Franklin County Coalition for Progress. I'm Pete Mazzoni with Jeremy Kate. Here in South Central PA, we enjoy some of the state's premier outdoor opportunities. On today's show, we'll talk about efforts to conserve and preserve our region's landscapes through the work of the South Mountain Partnership. The partnership launched in 2006 as a regional landscape scale conservation project and operates as a public-private partnership between the Pennsylvania Department of Conservation and Natural Resources and the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. It has grown into an alliance of citizens, businesses, nonprofits, academic institutions, local, state, and federal government agencies, and officials collaborating to envision and secure a sustainable future for the South Mountain landscape. On today's program, we'll learn more about the South Mountain Partnership's work with its director, Katie Hess. Thanks for being with us today, Katie. Thank you for having me. We're excited to have this conversation. So let's start with who you are and what your work is and what your mission is. Sure. Um, As I think you already said, I am the director of South Mountain Partnership. Um, I also happen to be a native of Franklin County. I grew up in um, between Fort Loudoun and the St. Thomas area, and then grew up like the second half of my childhood in Adams County in Big Riverville. Keeping it local. Yes, absolutely. So much so that the former director of the Appalachian Trail Conservancy gave me my trail nickname, which is Homegrown. (laughs) <laughs> yes. For those who don't know, when you do the AT, you're eventually christened with a trail name. Yes. So uh, mine is really special because it was like hand-delivered mm. by the president and CEO of the Appalachian Trail itself. Okay. So I, there's a lot of pride in that. Sure. Um, so what I do as the director of the South Mountain Partnership is I facilitate people and organizations uh, like nonprofits, local, county, and state government, uh, federal government, local nonprofits, and um, organizations who are already taking steps to either promote or preserve the South Mountain landscape. And they may be working on agricultural resources, um, natural, cultural, and historic resources, or recreational resources. And so what we do is we try to highlight the good work of our partners and to accelerate it and to support it. Mm -hmm. And so that takes uh, the form of facilitation on my part. I'm the only staff member sort of trying to, to stitch all of these organizations and initiatives happening throughout Adam's Cumberland, Franklin, and part of York counties uh, together so that we can sort of make it all work better and and gain more ground sure. together. Sure. Define what region the South Mountain uh, covers. Are we talking about the Michelle Forest? What are we talking about? Yeah, so the core of the South Mountain region is Michaud State Forest. That is uh, South Mountain itself mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. It does run, the South Mountain does run south into Maryland, all the way to the Potomac River. But in Pennsylvania, the South Mountain region is Michaud State Forest, up to Carlisle, west to Chambersburg and Greencastle and Newville, and east to Dillsburg and Gettysburg. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of what we call the core of our region. 
And uh, sometimes, you know, we work with partners outside of that region, but um, typically we stay um, in that area. And so we are one of eight conservation landscape initiatives in the state of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has a really uh, well-known and well-respected um, large landscape conservation program okay. within the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And we're lucky enough to be one of them. But unlike a lot of the other places, we are the one who doesn't have like a really easily to understand uh, character. Okay. Like the PA wilds, you know when you're, you hit the PA wilds, right? It's forested, it's dense, and you know when you leave it. But in the South Mountain landscape, it's more about the mountain stitching us all together mm-hmm. and being part of our heritage, our legacy when it comes to environmental conservation, mm-hmm. being the forefront of the forestry and the conservation movement throughout the state and the nation. And then a lot of the water resources that are distributed across the landscape come from that mountain mm-hmm. itself. So whereas you know Franklin County folks might not think that they have a lot in common with Adams County folks, there's actually a lot going on landscape scale that is stitching them together and making their futures, um, forcing their futures to be parallel. Right. We're in this together. Yeah. Sure. Are you familiar with the history of how the Michaud Forest came to be? A little bit. Um, Michaud State Forest is, is sort of one of the ground zeros of the development of forestry as a practice. Mm-hmm. And it was born out of the agricultural college that got its start at, and eventually formed into Penn State Montalto. Sure. Um, that's where forestry began. But it was also at the same time where at the formation of our state's what is now the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. So we saw characters like Michaud, uh, Myra Lloyd Dock. Uh, Myra Lloyd Dock was responsible for traveling the state and buying up property to reforest and make into our state park. Is this system. the woman who has a plaque at the top of Route 30? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so there used to be Grafenberg Inn. Okay. I, th- I hope I'm saying that well. Um, she and her family, I think, ran the Grafenberg Inn. And you're hitting on something that I, I also like to talk about, which is all of the cultural and historical assets that we have and mm-hmm. some that we used to have. The Grafenberg Inn was like an amazing large-scale resort-style wooden building. Now, where was this located? It was located, I believe it's where the Michaud state forest offices are now. Okay, right it off burned. 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was right along 30. It burned, and for whatever reason, they never rebuilt. Mm-hmm. But it was, we have that strong legacy, and the, it's characters like her and um, Ralph Abel, who was a more contemporary character, but mm-hmm. those people contributed to the development of, of Michaud. And what years well. were they active? Oh, man. Am I pushing you here on the history? <laughs> a little bit. Well, I've, you know, I've always wondered, you know, Henri Michaud was a biologist, is that correct? Yes. Um, yeah, and, and he was, he ended up in the U.S. Uh, studying, you know, how we're managing our forests Mm -hmm. and at times he was appalled by what he found Mm -hmm. and um it it really helped to he really helped to add capacity to 
the United States and to this region. Um, yeah, he educated folks like Rothrock. Uh, Rothrock. Who was get, Rothrock? Yeah, he's known as the American Father of Forestry. Okay. And so we host the South Mountain Speaker Series, which is a revival of Rothrock's Michaud lectures. Mm-hmm. He traveled the state uh, talking about how Pennsylvania in particular uh, was so endangered by flooding and wildfires because of the intense um, timber um, clear-cutting that was happening across the state, leading to flooding. You know, our farmer's soil was washing away. Um, It was leading to wildfires in some places. And, yeah, he traveled the state saying, you know, we can fix this, but Mm -hmm. here's what we would need to do. Mm -hmm. And so he was kind of a rallying cry heard throughout Pennsylvania to, to get folks to consider how they could contribute and how they could support it. And so that's why we sort of take a good bit, good bit of pride in, in using that to frame our speaker series because we sure. want to engage people in this region on conservation challenges and move them to join another organization or, or take action in mm-hmm. some way. What are some of the conservation challenges that the Michaud faces? Well, quite a few. Um, One is that Michaud is a state forest. Mm -hmm. However, it is used as a state park. And what a lot of people don't know is that state forests uh, do not receive any capacity funding or technical wise to manage recreation impacts on the forest. Mm-hmm. So whereas uh, the district forester there knows that a great deal of recreation is happening on the forest and is asking to respond to the challenges faced by people using it or the challenges that they're then imposing on the landscape by using it so much, uh, he has very few resources to kind of handle that and approach it differently. So that's one challenge. So you're talking about a funding challenge, a direct funding challenge. But also policy. DCNR, the Bureau of Forestry, um, does not, to my knowledge, it it does not stress uh, or it may not even include in the forest management plan process for uh, the management of recreation stresses uh, okay. or, or use that are exerted on the land. Now, are you talking about like locally in the Caledonia Park or in just the, the forest in We're general? We're talking about the forest itself. The okay. forest, like, I know that Michelle seems like this vast wilderness to a lot of people, but it is used. It is used by snowmobiles, ATVs, hikers, mountain bikers. Um, Trail runners. Are, yeah, runners. Thank you. <laughs> um, people just out for a drive. It is under immense stress when it comes to helping it, when it comes to helping the forest function ecologically mm-hmm. and as like a provider of ecosystem services for this region. It is under immense stress mm-hmm. just because we love it. Yeah. We you know the term we're loving it to death. I don't know if I would go that far yet, but we're definitely putting some pressure on it. Mm-hmm. So in terms of maintenance of the roads and the trails, uh, who's responsible? I know that with the trails, we have local clubs. We have, you know, individuals who go out and maintain trails. But well, 
who's in charge of the maintaining the roads and how's that get paid for? Well, actually, not many of the trails are maintained by local clubs. Only the Appalachian Trail and its um, its side trails, which are like an actual category under their management right. system, are maintained by local trail groups. All of those other trails in the forest, maybe I'm unaware, but a lot of those other trails are not maintained. Mm-hmm. Um Mountain bikers of Michaud, I know they do their own trail maintenance, but in mm-hmm. terms of other hiking trails, I'm not aware mm-hmm. right now. There is a new group forming called Friends of Michaud, which are um, actively, like they just got started this spring, and they're going to be that sort of balance, mm-hmm. right? They're going to go out and maintain those resources that have had stress exerted on them by the recreational community. Mm-hmm. Um, you're totally right about the roads in Michaud. There are a lot of roads in yeah. Michaud, and um, the district has recently been able to, to, to learn through research that they have um, more roads per acre than is w- what the state average okay. is. And with their limited um, employment and budget, they struggle to maintain those roads because we're also seeing some climate change impacts on the roads they're getting washed out more frequently mm-hmm. um and at like a a higher they get to a higher level of distress more quickly mm-hmm. and so the you know you're working with the same financial and people resources but you're having to fix more more often and in a more uh, aggressive way so it sounds like you you really need to reach out to the public and get uh the public involved in terms of, you know, forming groups, working with you to kind of keep the, the uh, Michelle healthy. Yes, we want to see people uh, step up and ask how they can contribute and how they can lend a hand. Mm-hmm. However, um, you know, I'm the only person in my office <laughs> um, doing this work. And so we have to focus our broad work somewhere. Mm-hmm. And we chose last winter to focus on water resources so uh, knowing that we have a finite budget and only one person facilitating this whole region, we knew we had to focus. Um, so whereas I would love to help facilitate these work groups in Michelle, we simply do not have the capacity because right, right now we're focusing on helping each county's um, water implementation plan uh, team to get more resources um, and and figure out how they're going to help implement the Chesapeake Bay uh, blueprint okay. to uh, help contribute to Pennsylvania not getting fined in the near future. Yes, well, I'm not familiar with this. Can you yeah. elaborate a little bit on what that is? Yeah, Pennsylvania is part of the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, blueprint, which states that by 2025, we will achieve a certain level of water quality improvement. And it's going to take lots of us in uh, southern Pennsylvania kind of banding together uh, with our state, uh, county, and local officials and agencies and pairing them with our local watershed organizations and our land conservation organizations to implement these watershed implementation plans, which are also known as WIPs, WIPs. Okay. So each of our counties 
either is developing a WIP plan or already has a WIP plan and is now transitioning into the phase of implementation where they need to start um, implementing best management practices and things like riparian buffers, rolling out more rain barrels, rolling out more rain gardens Mm -hmm. to hold the water longer, let it infiltrate the earth, not contribute to erosion of farm soil, but also um, just like here, I guess we're recording in downtown Chambersburg. Chambersburg has a pretty great MS4 uh, program happening. I can uh, jump in on this because I was part of the borough council when we formed the MS4 program. That's (laughs) fantastic. Which is the Municipal Separate Storm Sewer System. Absolutely. That's the four S's. But uh, yeah, it's part of efforts to uh, clean up the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah, and it's a a way to, um, you know, we're great at connecting organizations and people who need to know one another Mm -hmm. so that they can share their common challenges and and how they approached them. And so Mm -hmm. we're at our very core like a, a place to convene people and, and a learning hub. Sure. But we want to kick that up a notch and we want to say, what do you need at the county level? How can we help you? Knowing that we don't have, you know, a lot of money to give. Mm-hmm. We have a network. We have creativity um, and ideas to contribute to saying, could we, or asking the question, could we attract more implementation resources whether they be financial or technical, to this region. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking, you know, perhaps from the federal level, if we applied as a region, we might be able to um, attract more money because we don't have big foundations like there that exist in the east or west of Pennsylvania. We're sort of on our own in many respects, mm-hmm. and that's something that a, a conservation landscape initiative like South Mountain Partnership can assist with mm-hmm. let's talk about your uh, cultural heritage plan oh, can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that absolutely so the cultural heritage plan was created before i came on board and its vision is to get an understanding of the heritage uh, um, and the legacy that exists in the south mountain region So we're talking about the Cumberland Valley and Franklin and Cumberland counties on the west side of the mountain. We're talking about the legacy of forestry and the Civilian Conservation Corps and um, the POW camp and the church camp Mm -hmm. later on, uh, actually up at Camp Michelle, and then the specialized fruit region on the eastern slope of the mountain. So we tend to take um, a cultural landscape approach to it by understanding broad swaths of land, but there are some people who are interested in understanding the actual properties, buildings, and sites throughout the landscape and how they demonstrate these broad themes of of history Mm -hmm. that are embedded or layered on the landscape. So a good example of this is... Dill's Tavern, which is part of the Northern York County Historical and Preservation Society. Is it an acronym? NYCHAPS, yes. (laughs) No wonder I had to write it down. Yeah. Um, They interpret the gap in the Great Valley, which saw 
hundreds and thousands of European immigrants flow into this country um, across Pennsylvania and down the Cumberland Valley, down the Great Valley, um, and down into Appalachia. Mm-hmm. South Mountain is actually the northern terminus of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Oh, interesting. So it links us to... Did not know that. Yeah, it links us to the south. And so you have folks like them in Dillsburg telling the story of how the land forms, altered history, essentially altered the path or determined the path of, of immigrants who, mm-hmm. who came and settled the United States. That in and of itself is a story of national significance when yeah, it comes definitely. to um, history. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you have folks here in Franklin County, like Renfrew Cultural and Environmental Institute, mm-hmm. who are in interpreting, yeah, interpreting mm-hmm. very similar uh, themes of how the landscape was used, how it determined uh, what people did to make it in the world, and mm-hmm. how it shapes us even contemporarily mm-hmm. now. What is the POW camp story? So there was a site in Michaux State Forest that later became a church camp. This was a, this is around Pine Grove Furnaces, yes. isn't it? Or, well, or? yeah, it's between Caledonia and Pine Grove. Okay. Yeah. It was used as a prisoner of war um, interrogation camp because Ooh. of its remoteness. And Cumberland County Historical Society has done a really wonderful job at interpreting and researching Camp Michelle. So if you want to learn more, go to their website um, and and visit. They have an amazing uh, location in Carlisle. Um, So, yeah, we interrogated prisoners of war uh, in Camp Michelle on South Mountain. And um, they were put there because it was far away from any other population center. Right. It was a good remote area, but it wasn't. Um, it's not like there was a Guantanamo Bay on right, South right, Mountain. Right. It was a relatively um, controlled, I think, process in most cases. Whereas, um, having grown up in the Fruit Belt in Adams County, I heard stories about. Um, some of those prisoners of war getting bussed out to help in the orchards uh, to pick crops and things since there was such a short, um, a small labor force right. at the time. Everybody was overseas, yeah. a lot of men, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, on to a topic that I'm very interested in. Uh, you have a rail trail feasibility study. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a big fan of rail trails. We have one here in town. There's one in Shippensburg. I think they really uh, get people out. So tell us a little bit about this uh, South Mountain Trolley Greenway. Yes, my pleasure. Um, So this is another example of our work as conveners and facilitators. This is us uh, connecting people across the landscape who want to see um, something positive happen. Mm -hmm. So there is a local volunteer uh, in Cumberland County who noticed that this corridor is, uh, can be viewed in aerial photography, like on Google Maps. Mm-hmm. And they knew that it was also the former South Mountain branch of the Cumberland Valley Railroad. Right. And they thought, 
this would be amazing um, to once again connect downtown Mechanicsburg with downtown Dillsburg. It would lead to economic revitalization as trail towns, and it would serve a lot of people who use um, state bicycle route. I believe it's J2, um, which sort of like parallels mm -hmm. the old branch of the railroad. So, um, yeah, we got together in... 2017 and secured some grant funding from the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources from Cumberland County Land Partnerships Grant Program from the York County Community Foundation and several local municipalities bought in. So we secured all of the um, or most of the municipal uh, resolutions of support. We applied for the grants and we've been assessing legal ownership of the right-of-way because there was no definitive understanding of who legally owned the corridor. When you disinvest of a, a railroad or a branch, you have to do it legally. Like, there's a legal process. Right. And there was just no paper trail. And neither one of the counties could really confirm it. So before we went any further in discussing whether or not we could eventually possibly build this trail... Uh, we had to figure out the legality of it. And so um, the report is not yet final, but what we do think is that it did revert to private property owners. Mm -hmm. um, so now we've been able to move past that, and we released a public survey asking the public if they're supportive of the trail. And out of three scenarios for trail development, what they would prefer. So... They could have um, the trail on the historic railroad track mm -hmm. corridor. Mm -hmm. They could have it on the roads adjacent to the corridor, but in a protected bike lane. Or do they just want a trail on the roads and not protected? Um, so I think that we've had over... 800 responses to that over the past two or three weeks which is that's amazing great. yeah that's great yeah but we're, we're always looking for more so if you're interested in taking that survey um search for south mountain trolley greenway or rail trail on facebook mm -hmm. well we know that these are successful you've got the uh cno um that people love yeah and it it the little towns along the way are beneficiaries of all that traffic you get absolutely and families get out there it, it's a great thing so let's yeah. let's hope that goes forward yeah yeah we do have to be really conscientious of of the private property owners now you know mm -hmm. it's definitely their land we want this to be a community building activity not a divisive right project so um you know uh, people are always scared that um these types of project projects would want to take land forcibly, and that is completely off the table. You're not coming in with eminent domain. Thank you. Yeah, no <laughs> eminent domain. Absolutely right. not. Right. So moving on to your speaker series, uh, what's who's coming up, and what can we look forward to? Yeah, we have one left in the 2019 series. Okay. It is um, focused on how to prevent dumping in dumping of trash mm -hmm. uh, in um, state forests and parklands um, and other forested properties right and so we've been fortunate enough to partner with some of the rangers of Michaux state forest 
and uh, keep Pennsylvania beautiful. That's a environmental and kind of um, community development organization to highlight some of the best practices that they've been able to develop over the last few years because they've been combating illegal dumping in the Michaud and the state parks for probably the beginning Ever. of time. <laughs> but recently, they've had a lot of successes in terms of um, holding people accountable. How is that done? Because as a, <laughs> you know, I'm out there a lot, and I see it. And I know that you can call the DCNR and you can give them the location and they'll, you know, they'll get around to cleaning it up. But how do we, you know, hold people accountable? Yeah. Uh, so that's the reason we're having a speaker series about it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Oh, you'll um, have to find out. <laughs> yeah. So you'll have to attend to find out. Mm -hmm. And uh, that information uh, will be, is already available on the South Mountain Partnership website. Mm-hmm. We always have all of our speaker series events listed, and all of those are free and open to the public. And you can visit that at southmountainpartnership.org. And that one's going to be on September 12th. Thank you. Yes. yes. <laughs> so are you enjoying your job? Are you frustrated? <laughs> a little I, bit of both? I'm no longer frustrated. Um, there was a, you know... Um, as you are learning a new position and working with so many organizations on a regional scale um, in the realm of any conservation or preservation area, um, in South Central Pennsylvania with the market and political forces that are playing out, mm -hmm. um, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It can be a lot. You know, I have a vision for... Um, this landscape, having grown up here, I want to see it remain healthy and vital. Um, I also want it to be sustainable and wealthy. Um, and I don't think that any of that is impossible. Those mm -hmm. aren't mutually exclusive. Uh, we just have to be solution-oriented and have difficult discussions about what we want the future to be. So at times, that can be frustrating, mm -hmm. but... Um, it's an amazing opportunity that I, I mean, these jobs are far and few between, yeah. and this is an emerging field. This um, field of landscape conservation is a specialization within conservation, mm -hmm. and we're just now developing the metrics for success, and we're, we're learning that, you know, we, we don't go out and preserve property. We don't acquire property and... Um, keep it static mm -hmm. my job is to create an ethic of conservation throughout mm -hmm. the landscape and to get people to value it and see its value in their everyday life do you find that you know there are the people who take it for granted and then the people who are heavily invested is there any middle ground really oh yeah absolutely okay. always there's always middle ground um anyone who tells you otherwise is trying to manipulate you i think oh uh, we all care about clean water mm -hmm. right we all care about the quality of our drinking water we all want to be able to fish and swim and wade in our local waterways we need clean water for agriculture we need clean water for industry um, our water systems you know from raindrop to, to ground, to, to infiltration, to evapotranspiration. All of that is an ecosystem service that we're benefiting from every day. Yeah, for sure. And so that's the middle ground. So as an individual uh, user of the Michaud, uh, you know, what, 
can I be doing to keep the forest healthy? Yeah. I know that I do, you know, I I pick up a lot of trash, but I know that's kind of small potatoes. But what can the individual user of the woods be doing? Well, picking up trash, you would be surprised with how many people don't pick up trash. So that's always a great place to start. Um, Implementing leave no trace principles. Um, Leave no trace is all about literally leaving only footprints at the very basic level, staying on the trail. Like if the trail is muddy, you better go through fi- the mud. Go through it. Yeah. Don't yeah. widen the trail by going around the mud. Yeah. There are tons of vernal pools and um, significant high quality habitats and wildlife habitats and special species of concern all over the South Mountain, and you just don't know what you're going to be. Um, affecting. So stay on the trail, whatever you pack in, pack out. That means even when you take strawberries as your snack, don't leave the strawberry uh, hulls in the forest. Take them home with you because they are not part of that ecosystem. And it seems trivial, but if everyone does just a little bit to leave something, we're talking of about like in one weekend hundreds if not thousands of new things ending up in the forest um and then other you know leave no trace principles include um you know if there's not a restroom around how to responsibly relieve yourself in the woods it requires that you go a certain distance away from any water resources that um, you, you know, dig a hole, you bury it with so much soil. Um, so, yeah, being educated about our impact on the forest mm-hmm. and, and the trail resources would be really great. Um, in addition to that, consider joining the Friends of Michelle or go. supporting them in, in some other way. Also, there are Friends of Caledonia and Friends of Mont Alto, um, forests i believe and the friends of pine grove state mm-hmm. forest and the friends of um king's gap state forest and friends. education center yeah <laughs> but these groups um as you might imagine you know they receive turnover people are always aging out and we always need new ideas and um mm-hmm. younger folks to join and there's no better way to learn about that stuff than by the people who've been practicing it for the last five to ten years. Right, it's a great right. resource. To your point about, you know, packing in, packing out, leave no trace, I think sometimes people can't wrap their heads around the fact that, as you say, it's not just you. There's mm-hmm. hundreds or even maybe thousands of other people doing it, which is, if you go up to Long Pine these days, the rock stacking. Mm-hmm. is what everybody's doing. And the DCNR put out a notice saying, please don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know, the individual users like, what's the harm, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, it is, you know, a little disappointing to acknowledge this, but here in South Central Pennsylvania, we are no longer as rural as we once no, we're not. were. Um, and, you know, Interstate 81 has had a lot to do with this. Mm-hmm. But... When you're in Michaud, you might feel like the nearest person or other party is, you know, 10, 20, 30 miles away from you. But I assure you, they're just over the other ridge, yeah. if not just five minutes Especially down the trail. Especially on a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah. And so it's amazing that you can get that feeling 
in that landscape. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that there are um, so many other people there with you. And that's good, right? Like that's community building. You get the best of both worlds. But, um, you know, it's just no longer the reality that we're the only ones or we are one of the few out in the forest that day. Mm-hmm. Because also, um, Michaud is the first large forest that people out of Baltimore and D.C. hit on their way north and west. Mm-hmm. So we get a lot of out-of-state traffic. Yeah. And the, I know the mountain biking community has discovered us uh, of the mm-hmm. state and, you know, other regions. Yeah, and that's really exciting. I love that we have mountain bikers all over the place and that they're starting teams and competitions all throughout the landscape and the region. No matter what you're doing in the forest, you're impacting it. Yeah. Whether it's just your own body weight or the, the tires of your ATV or your bike. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's just that we have to then pay it back to the district forest or the forest itself by mitigating any impact that we might be having on it. Right, right. You know, and it's that situation where your kid picks up a rock or something they want to take home with them, and you're saying that now we can't do that, and the kid's confused, but... It's that multiple, you know, multiples, you know, everything's happening by multiples. So, right. And it will be there when you come back, come back to it. That's a great way to phrase it. Yeah. Why don't you give out your website (laughs) one more time? Sure. It's southmountainpartnership.org. Okay. And is there a phone number or other ways we can get involved on social media or? Yes. Um, Follow us on Facebook at South Mountain Partnership. And Instagram, I believe we're either SMP or South Mountain Partnership. As well, visit our website uh, to learn more about the region, places you can go visit, and how to get involved. We have so many opportunities for folks to get involved, whether it's writing uh, an essay about why they value the land that they're on, whether it's you know in a town or on mm-hmm. a farm or in the forest. Um, there are sponsorship opportunities. You can serve on one of our committees. You can volunteer. You can intern. There's lots of ways. Great. So if you care, let's get involved and be sure to go to the speaker series. Let's find out how to catch these scoundrels who were dumping in the woods. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Katie. It was a wonderful conversation, and I personally am very happy to hear that there are people out there like you that are working to preserve uh, this magical forest we have in our backyard. Great. Thank you. <laughs> yep. And before we go, Pete, um, Pride Franklin County, the second annual Pride right Franklin up. County is coming up. It's just about a week away from when we'll be airing this program. And we have some new sponsors on board that we want to give a shout out to. And they are Superior Floor Coverings and Kitchens, Penn State Monalto, BCM Payroll Services, and Wellspan Health, formerly Summit Health. So thank you. Excellent. And uh, so we'll see you on August 4th at Pride Franklin County. Thanks again, Katie. Thank you. And uh, thanks for listening to the Progress Pod online at progresspod.org.